this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, people? Welcome back to Rebranded Safety. Now we're... You're distracting me, Maggie, Maggie. <laughs> I am trying to record this episode with my daughter on my lap. Sometimes she sits here for hours silent, sometimes she doesn't. Let's see if this works after the intro. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up people, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. This week we're reflecting on my chat with John Green, the legend John Green. And as I said in the hook, I am for some reason trying to get this done with my daughter on my lap because, you know, daughter needs daddy time and podcast needs recording. So let's see if we can do two birds, one stone. This may not work. If it doesn't, I'll just re-record it. Anyway, let's start off. Top of my notes. Don't forget to go and check out Safer Than Your Average podcast, Blair Boyd. He did a great conversation with John Green talking all about his career. And um, we didn't really touch on his career, but he has had an outstanding career. So go and check out that. I've linked it in the description of the first chat that we had with John and this one episode, this episode as well. So you can go and check that out. So make sure you do. It's really, really good. Another kind of what's the word I'm looking for another sin no not sin what's the word I'm looking for confession there we go another confession I have for you I thought this episode was out like weeks ago just this week my wife was like doing some editing for some clips from the chat with John Green and she was like where's the episode and I was like it's on YouTube she was like it's not I was like well it'll be on Bcast and I must have just forgot to put it on YouTube or maybe I didn't because there was a video problem or something like that and she said it's not there I said it is there and it wasn't there I'd completely forgot to upload this episode and it should have been uploaded weeks ago weeks ago so I apologise if I refer to an upcoming chat, which is you've already heard, or, yeah, if it just sounds like, hang on a minute, he's talking about something that's already happened, or something that hasn't happened, or I don't really know, but you know what I mean. If it sounds like it was not meant to be out this week, well, it wasn't meant to be out that week. So, let's get into some of my notes. Let's have a look. Don't want this for... So, we talked about rules. I've got here, doesn't want rules for everything. Uh, still investigates accidents and incidents. Its safety is originally intended. So, John talks about safety too. For me, a, a way that... Oh, and, and now my mother's here. This is going really well. Okay, that didn't work. Baby's gone. Mother-in-law, mother, mother-in-law, mother is here. She's got a wife. She's jumping out of the shower. Try and record a podcast just before we go out for a dog walk on this winter's day. It's a bit grim now. Weather's truly very wintry. Anyway, it's not a winter podcast. Let's look into my notes then. So, rules. 
John's stance on safety two, for me, is one we're desperate for. One that we, we need to hear more of, I think. In that he doesn't really, you know, he, he openly says, you know, well, we still investigate accidents. Um, you know, he still does those things. He still has rules, just doesn't have rules for everything. Because rules for everything just wouldn't work in some aspects of our lives. We need some flexibility. So, you know, he, he's kind of like, you know, we, we still need this stuff. Um, and, and safety two is on off the back of safety one. And this is the thing that I, I want probably want you all to take away as you'll start to hear. There's a common theme throughout this. Everyone who does this, everyone that actually does the do, says it's both. Everyone that implements this stuff, everyone that has this safety two philosophy, whatever the hell you want to call it, as everyone says that safety one is the foundations of safety two you'll hear from adam johns in a couple of weeks who says that there is no safety one and safety two it's safety two because safety two includes safety one and kevin furness you've heard from him and he says that it's like an upgrade basically so i'm trying to what i'm trying to say to you all is essentially that you know that everyone that's actually doing this not the academics but the people that are actually doing it in in reality in the working environment have seen that it's safety one and safety two it's compliance stuff and it's you know this this kind of soft safety if you want to call it that it, it's the two worlds combined so for me the arguments and i have delved deep into these arguments over the last few months that i've been doing this 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 mini series and are they're just pathetic they really are pathetic and and john you know talks about how kind of angry he gets about it you know he gets uh, that, that safety two attack the traditional safety one um you know he gets just as angry as one side or the other it's not like he hates all the safety one people it's just as infuriated as safety two and if anything i get more infuriated with the people on the safety two side that vehemently attack those those safety one people or people that are challenging the 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 safety two kind of way of thinking it's a good thing to be challenged and those people i think that on the safety two side that they end up essentially bullying you know people like dominic cooper who's essentially just holding us all to count yes he goes about it on a very very aggressive uh, way sometimes and social media but they they end up throwing out all the safety two principles out the window and end up just b becoming bullies anyway so it's kind of like, you know, people aren't the problem um, as long as they're not talking about safety one, in which case people are the problem. So that infuriates me, that does. You know, practice what you preach, people. So the way John talks about safety being a contemporary, is it like it's evolving. It is contemporary. It's evolving all the time. So, you know, safety is going to look different in, in 20, 30, 40, 50 years when I look back on it. And I go, wow, look how different this is. You know, my wife was saying to me the other day that essentially what I'm trying to do with rebranding safety and what I do in my day job is, you know, I'm probably not going to see the impacts. Maybe my daughter will see the impacts of it, fingers crossed, and she enters a better workplace. You know, th these things, these changes, these updates, these evol evolutions, they take so long. You know, I would say changes like a virus, a zombie virus, it, it goes one bite at a time. 
Um, my boss says it's like eating an elephant. Um, you know, you, you can't eat it in one go. You need to eat it one bite at a time, which I quite like that. But I think my zombie one's better. Let me know what you think. Come and hit us up on social media. So, safety one is essentially the the 1974 act yeah the health and safety at work act if you're in the uk you know what that is uh if you don't if you're not in the uk and basically it's the main piece of legislation so basically in 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 no roundabout way it kind of says manage the risks in your workplace as far as reasonable and practical yeah that's pretty much it um but it, john and i had a good chat about it it confirms if let me let me get my words out mumble 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 the 74 act fits so well into safety 2 like literally perfect and that's why i say a lot of the stuff that we hear from the safety 2 side is just safety as originally intended and that was my point and i keep coming back to this time and time again that was my point that i tried to put across with todd in that this is, we're not arguing about safety one and safety two it's good safety and bad safety so i'm not saying safety one is bad depends on what you describe as safety one i'm saying that bad safety is a bad implementation of safety so when say sydney decker talks about uh, the kind of over bureaucratic kind of burdensome way that we deal with safety as safety one or whatever or the old view um he's not actually talking about traditional safety in my opinion he is talking about poorly implemented traditional safety and that's my stance on this so I, I like that he uses that kind of overweight example i think that puts it into context you know safety one is losing the weight and then safety two is getting fit i love that analogy and actually i think you know until i read my reading my notes here i'd actually kind of forgot about it um that is an outstanding way to look at it you know safety one gets us nice and lean and it gets the the fat around the edges gets rid of the love handles and now it's like right okay cool you know we, we're, we're at good health we're at a good stage and we're, we're you know we're a bit healthy but now we need to get fit we need to get really fit and what is fitness essentially it's resilience good health good fitness is resilience we're we're resilient we're we're able to run away from a fire we're also able to relax and chill out we're able to climb up a wall if being chased by a wolf or something i don't know where you live that you would be able to chase by a wolf but anyway i thought so i thought that was a really really good example we ended up talking about what we look for in a professional is changed in the previously it was really technical we looked for people that were kind of from an engineering background and now we're looking for people with soft skills and communication and critical thinking and systems thinking um you know we've gone from having people that are really rigid and kind of you know really process driven like from an engineering point of view to to now thinking oh actually we also need these other positions these other people with different skills these softer skills so does that, we kind of come again here to the safety one, safety two thing, does that mean that we don't need any engineer-minded people, those people that are really process-driven? No. It means we need the best of both worlds. We need both. We need people that are really analytical, people that are really process-driven, really detail-oriented, very, very technical people, like kind of like safety engineers is how I imagine it. But then you also need kind of like safety leaders people that are really good at the soft skills there's two aspects to what we do in safety there's the technical side and then there's the soft side 
the cultural side. So in essence, I think the profession is going through a bit of an identity crisis at the moment, which I've said time and time again. And I actually think we need to split into two. I think we need to be, you know, have safety engineers that are really technical, like safety professionals that are real, that have the real technical safety understanding. These are people that can know the guidance inside and out. People that know the real kind of, they're basically engineers. You know, they're engineers of safety. I really like that approach. As long as we back that up with another half of our team or a couple more professionals that are really cultural focused. Maybe these are people with like degrees in psychology or sociology or even they're just book smart from that point of view. But people who are a bit more um, better at communicating, a bit more dynamic, a bit more maybe, um, yeah, yeah, they have those softer skills. Not to say an engineering side won't have them, but people that can focus on that side of things. And they work together, they complement each other, and they both have a good understanding of kind of like the basics of risk assessing and risk-based mindset and etc. And, and then they both implement that in the business, working together. That's, that's how I see the future of the profession. Two different types of safety professional. And I think now is the time, isn't it? I think we talk about that as well. Like it, it, We're in a global pandemic now and we're being tested and stretched. And if there's ever a time to critically look at ourselves and really, really take an opportunity to learn, then this is it because we've never been pushed like this before we've never been under the scope like we are now we've never had an opportunity to be the ones that get us back to work and all the work that we've done with culture all the work that we've done with our systems and our risk assessments etc have just been tested in the workplace in ways that we never dreamt of them being tested so if there's ever a time for us to critically look at our work and critically look at how we identify ourselves as safety professionals, then I think it's now. I think it's now. It's right now. In the middle of this pandemic, there's probably going to go on for maybe another year, at least in, in the UK. It's now the time to really look at how we've operated, talk to people and ask them, how did I do? during this how did my team do during this what was your perception of my team and safety before and what is it now and why did it change because if we're ever going to know what we are going to look like in the future then I think we need to ask our teams and our staffs and the people that we've worked with through this pandemic now and I, and I really don't want to quote Star Trek because it feels really geeky. But last night I was watching Star Trek and I'm going to butcher this quote because I butcher all quotes. But he, he, he said, it's in our greatest dilemmas that we learn our true selves. And I thought that was really enlightening. I feel weird just saying that. Um, but what a lovely line. And, and is that not true of us now? Maybe not just even safety professionals, maybe leaders and managers and business owners and engineers and electricians, etc., etc. You know, this is our greatest dilemma that we've had in peacetime. And now is our opportunity to really 
get to know ourselves and how we act and how we learn and and so on and i thought well wow, that's a great quote and and i feel that resonates really strongly with our profession we are entering this identity crisis anyway and now we've just whacked it up into sixth gear i think because I don't think those ways of operating in that traditional, rigid, safety, so-called safety one, compliance-based approach would have worked through this pandemic. And I've talked about the example of, you know, fit testing um, and over over uh, efficiency in the workplace in which, you know, you would work in healthcare, for example, and be like, right, who needs who needs RPE for their job currently? right those people only those get face fit tested training and all that stuff it left us no capacity for a pandemic it left us no capacity for even like a local breakout in a hospital which to be fair is a foreseeable risk in in most big hospitals so this over efficiency for me is one of the biggest things i think we need to learn from this this dilemma from what we need to learn from this pandemic I think that we need to really critically look at our systems and ask ourselves, do the people actually work to these systems and these policies and these procedures? Were they involved in this? Do they get it? And if they don't, ask them. Or, or if you don't know, sorry, ask them. I think now is the time to, for us to stop seeing ourselves as experts because we've been pushed as experts through this process and maybe some of us have come out of it well and maybe some of us haven't but I don't think we are experts and through this process we're not clinical experts, we're not infection control experts, we're people that take the conversation and the advice from the clinical infection control experts and we translate that to our senior leaders and we guide them to making a risk-based approach that enables us to work in the safest way possible that's reasonable and practicable that's our job people our job is not to restrict our job is not to stop work our job is to enable work our job is to facilitate experts in the workplace to enable us to do work and for me that's all safety too is it's just bringing us back to that original intention safety is originally intended that's what it is so let's have a look at some of my other notes so the trade-off got here the trade-off is in the wrong place foreignness versus efficiency it needs to find the balance and i think if i remember rightly we're talking about the way we talk about the trade-off is on the shop floor so in that moment right before we do the job but actually the trade-off normally comes at the design design stage which essentially is where it should be um up there it should be how much can we design safety in and lose efficiency at that stage so on the shop floor where the pressure hits in and we need the product and we're getting closer to the deadline etc etc that's where we don't need to have that thrown us because we've worked so hard to design out so much of the risk now isn't that safety is originally intended design out the risks isn't that what we were taught originally all those times ago to eliminate substitute then engineer then admin and then ppe isn't that safety as originally intended so for me i thought that was nice to hear and i think 
the way he kind of we talked about this this trade off of thoroughness and efficiency and that you know we need to find a balance and i think that balance is not all the time you find that one balance and we stay at it i think that balance shifts throughout the day throughout the week throughout the month throughout the years one day we need to be more efficient the next day we need to be more thorough when the risk is low we can be really efficient when the risk is high we need to be really thorough it's a dynamic balance and it's a dynamic unbalance so i think we need to stop looking for kind of stability and and accept instability really and 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 just learn to work with that and be more dynamic in our approaches and this is where i think that traditional or poor implementation of safety lets us down we wanted that standardization we wanted that stability for our workplace and standardization does work in lots of aspects you know premier in hotels for example hashtag not sponsored um you know mcdonald's it's the same everywhere you go i get it can that really work in safety when everything is so complex when everything is so different day to day different people different attitudes different mental well-being different weather different product different speed different managers different team leaders different team members different teammates a completely different day a monday a tuesday a wednesday so can we have standardization when really nothing is standard every day as we change it, 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 it seems alien to me looking back on it now and how i wanted to get that standardization when i reflect on it now i think jesus we're always doomed to fail in a way because how can we find one balance between foreignness and efficiency or you know being quick and being safe let's let's look at it like that being quick and being safe because i've been in situations where safety has had to so we've had to take a little bit of a risk to get the job done because we had no other option or you know we needed to get something done as quick as possible so everyone's just working like solid and it did safety you know get compromised because of that i don't really know i can't remember that far back if i'm brutally honest but it's it's interesting when we look back at it if when the workplace like that is so dynamic how can we ever achieve standardization from a safety versus speed point of view so i thought that was a really interesting point we, we talked about documentations you know and i know this is something this really gets my back up a lot of the time and this is something that if you take anything away from any of that you listen to at rebound and safety it is really take a critical look at your documentation and and ask you you know is it actually delivering safety or is it delivering assurance now neither of those is bad we need assurance in our workplace but is that assurance hindering the safety so here's an example i used to struggle like hell to get forklift checks done all the time and i talk about this example all the time so you probably if you're a long time listener you've heard this before and i apologize but they want to get done and when i look back on it now i wasn't trying to get the checks done i was trying to get the checklist done when we had ways to monitor the safety and the performance of the forklift trucks anyway in our engineering diaries and, and stuff like that so i probably could have got rid of the checklist but how do we know it's being done james it's a great question well 
I would have probably, thinking back on it now, added a handover process, a recorded handover process from operations to engineering. We had an in-house engineering team at that time. So we're recording the process that James, the, for the FLT driver, has handed it over to Bob, the engineer, with reasons for hand handing it over. Did check brakes not working? Does that now not prove that we're doing our check? Okay. But I'm a leader. How do I get? How do I know? How do I know when I'm walking through the shop floor that that it's been done? Go up and talk to them. Have we done check today, Bob? Yeah, I have. Do you mind if I jump on and check it? Of course you can. Jump on. Check the brakes. Check the forks. Have a look. A lot of the time, adding these paperwork and these checklists to give us these assurances that we think we need actually take away from safety and when we come to that point of speed versus safety we perceive safety as the checklist and the checklist slows us down so the safety stops so for me i think it's obvious i think that over documentation that over bureaucratic way of of operating is massively hindering what we do and it's creating a false sense of security. I forgot what word I was looking for there. Because we have rag charts that we're getting all these checklists done and it says all green. And turns out everything's unseen. All green, unseen. See what I did there? So have a real critical look at what you're doing and are you operating under a false pretense because your systems are telling you everything is okay when actually there's just a massive gap between how you imagine work is being done and how work is actually being done and you know if you want to know any more about that then go listen to safety of work workers done versus workers imagined um, podcast where they talk about david proven and drew ray's research paper and it's an outstanding piece of work and and, and when i read it i think jesus that's my life and again I, what i took away from that is it's about finding the balance between assurance and safety so it's assurance and safety and speed and safety and it's just a, a spinning plate exercise and you just got to pick what what plate is right for what time but assurance should never be at the cost of safety when ironically you're putting it in to try and make you safe so have a real good think about that so i think that'll do for today just a short one. I think John pretty much said it all. Uh, I've covered all my notes as well. Um, and I've got on the soapbox a few times. And we don't want to hear me get on a soapbox too much. Um, I'd say I'll apologise for my daughter. But I don't. She can be on the podcast if she wants. Grizzling away. So don't forget to go check out www.rebrandingsafety. Get yourself some merch. Other than that, I'll catch you next week. Where we're talking to my good friend, Adam Johns. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.